Welcome to MRCS on the Move. Bowels, bones, and backseat drivers. I'm your host, Naomi, but this is the podcast where you do the talking. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of MRCS on the Move. I'm so glad you joined. Uh, so, essentially, this is going to be a bit of an add-on or an extra to our aortic stenosis episode um, that we had Sam as a guest for. So, we're just going to go through quite snappy um, aortic regurge, mitral stenosis, and mitral regurge. Um, I am not an expert in these. That's my... Um, what's the word? Disclosure for the episode. Um but I hope it still gives you some simple information uh, that is helpful for the exam. So let's just crack on, uh, no more of my rambling, and start with aortic regurgitation. So, what is it? So, it is a retrograde flow of blood through the aortic valve into the ventricles. So going the opposite way. If we remember from our last episode or episode with Sam, we talked about you know, the blood going from the ventricles to the aorta. So instead of firing forward in that rush of, of blood, you get regurge um, where you shouldn't do through the valves when, when they go, before they close fully. What is the most common cause of aortic regurge? So rheumatic fever would be the most common cause of my uh, aortic regurgitation. So this is a fibrosis of the leaflets causes which causes the valves to shorten and fail in coaptation joining. Bicuspid valves, so normally there's three leaflets in the aortic valve. If there's only two, that puts an increased risk of regurge. And then connective tissue diseases such as Marfan's. Um, infections such as ischemic and endo, uh, sorry, infective endocarditis, and then various types of dissection. So here is a bonus question, a slightly sideways topic. What are the different types of dissections, aortic dissections? So you've got two ways of classifying these are types and debakies, okay? So type A and B. Type B is only the descending aorta. Type A involves the ascending aorta as well and the arch. So A for ascending and arch, okay? B for descending. That doesn't really work, but you know what I mean. And then debakie falls into those two categories. So you've got three debakie categories. One, two, three. One and two come under type A. Okay, debakie one is the ascending aorta and the arch. Two is ascending only. Three comes under B and is descending only. So it starts distal to which artery? 
It's a plebeian artery, absolutely, in the descending aorta. Okay, little aside there, not valvular, but little aside. So what are the physiological consequences of aortic regurge? So regurge results initially in ventricular hypertrophy, okay, to maintain the cardiac output and the stroke volume. Another bonus question, what is the equation for cardiac output? Cardiac output equals heart rate times stroke volume. What are the components that make up a stroke volume or the stroke volume? So stroke volume is the volume of blood ejected during ventricular contraction. Okay, that is determined by three things, preload, the contractivity and the afterload. Okay, there's a lot more to that, but just to throw in some extra questions for you there. Get your lateral thinking going. Okay, so where were we? Physiology of aortic stenosis, pathophysiology. So we've got um, hypertrophy to maintain cardiac output and stroke volume. Eventually, this leads to left ventricular dilation and heart failure. Okay. Severe dilatation does have a high risk of mortality. So this is a significant thing. So how do they present what are the signs and symptoms of aortic regurge? So they're often asymptomatic. Most common, um, they have a late presentation with exertional dysopnea. They can also get orthopnea or parox paroxysmal nocturnal. Sorry, try that again. Paroxysmal <laughs> nocturnal dysopnea. And then plus, they can get signs of pulmonary edema. Um, they can get angina and syncope, but that's pretty rare. Okay. Um, on examination, they're going to get an early diastolic murmur, a wide pulse pressure. What does that mean in terms of the blood pressures? They have a very high systolic blood pressure and a very low diastolic blood pressure. Kind of, kind of obvious. And then they can get a collapsing pulse. So how are we going to investigate aortic regurgitation. So as with most potential cardiac pathologies, they're going to get an ECG. Okay, this will pick up a few different things. I'm not a pro at it, as we know, um, but it can pick up signs of left ventricular uh, dilatation, um, arrhythmias, all those sorts of things, and then um, chest x-rays, which might pick up left ventricular enlargement, or if they've got an associated aneurysm, it they may show aortic enlargement, um, which would show an aneurysm, which might indicate an aneurysm, um, and then they can have coronary arteriography um, and an echo, obviously. So, what are the treatment options? This is going to be very basic. So just broadly speaking, what are the treatment options for aortic 
regurgitation. So treatment is indicated for patients who are symptomatic or have left ventricular dilation. They're going to get an echo pre-op and all the other um, pre-op uh, pre investigations that we talked about in the aortic stenosis episode. Essentially, the mainstay of treatment is a replacement, so an aortic valve replacement. Um, and then you do just need to consider those with acute presentations who might present with a dissection, which is obviously a surgical emergency, and they would be treated as an emergency if they are deemed fit for that, and if they would have a good quality of life if surviving the operation. Okay, as you can see, this is a very quick run through the other valve diseases. Let's move on to mitral stenosis. So we've changed valve. What is it? What is mitral stenosis? So it's a narrowing of the mitral valve orifice. So similar to aortic stenosis, a narrowing of that orifice. And it's characterized, again, similar to aortic stenosis, as a leaflet thickening. Okay, what is the most common cause? Rheumatic fever and sort these symptoms present from a rheumatic fever approximately 10 years post infection. And then what are the physiological consequences of mitral stenosis? Again, I always think it's quite logical when you think about these answers. So if you sort of work back from the valve that you're talking about around the circuit of vessels and things in the heart, um, you can kind of logically work it out. So behind the mitral valve, you've obviously got the aorta. So the aorta is going to become hypertrophied. It's pushing against this valve. It's not, it's not working properly. Then behind the aorta, the atrium you've got the lungs haven't you so you're going to start to get pressure back to the lungs you're going to start to get pulmonary edema and well a pot well initially really a pulmonary vessel hypertension okay and this is going to result in pulmonary edema and then you go around further and you get to the right side of the heart so you're going to get right ventricular hypertrophy okay and eventually you can get effects on the tricuspid valve as well with with regurgitation so how may these patients present? So they're often asymptomatic and it's found incidentally, but they can present with features of heart failure. We've talked about pulmonary edema, we've talked about right-sided heart uh, effects. And then they may, because of the effects on the left atrium, get uh, present with AF. They will have a mid-diastolic murmur. So if you think this 
valve is, when is the blood flowing through this valve in diastole? Okay, so that's where you're going to hear the additional sounds because it's not flowing as it should do. Um, and it's increased if you roll the patient onto the left lateral position, your um, your murmur will be best heard over the mitral re region when the patient is rolled to the left. Okay, and finally for mitral stenosis, what are the treatment options? So the treatment options are two options really. The aortic valve can, the, sorry, the mitral valve can be cut. So that's a valvotomy, okay, or it can be replaced. And as always, it can be replaced either with a mechanical or, or sorry, a metallic or a bioprosthetic valve. Okay, our last valve pathology to briefly talk about, we'll wrap up this very small additional episode, is mitral regurgitation. Okay, so a patient presents with a pan-systolic murmur. What might this represent? If you don't get this, you're not listening. Mitral regurgitation, surprise, surprise. So where is this found? Where would you hear mitral regurg? So it's found in the mitral region of the heart, or the cardiac apex, and it will radiate up to the left axilla. Okay, so if you think where that blood is flowing back to, where is it pointing to? Um, it's going back up to the left axilla. So what characterizes mitral regurgitation? What is happening? So it's retrograde flow of blood into the left atrium through a weak mitral valve. It's most the, it's actually the most common valvular abnormality in I put WW here, I want to say the Wild West, but that's not what I mean in Western countries. <laughs> Don't say the Wild West in your exam. What are the causes of mitral regurgitation? So it's essentially anything that allows the valve to prolapse or to weaken or causes it to do that. So you can either get primary causes or secondary causes. Primary would be a structural deformity. So this might be weakening of the tissues and the heart muscles with senile degeneration. Or your secondary causes might include for example, ischemia, which can affect the papillary muscles and cause dysfunction. Another common cause would be myoxmatose mitral valve degeneration. Oh, I got through it. I didn't think I was going to be able to say that. Not even sure I'm saying it properly, to be honest. <laughs> myoxmatose mitral valve de disease. 
which is a degeneration of the mitral valve associated, it's a, so it's a non-inflammatory uh, disease, uh, which basically alters the, the mitral valve structure and leads to prolapse. And then you can get rupture of the chordae tendinies or dilatation of the ventricles can lead to prolapse. So then finally, what's the treatment options? Very simple answer I've got written down. They can be repaired, but ideally you would probably just replace them. And this can either again be by um, with metallic valves or with bioprosthetic valves. Okay, I mean that was a really quick fire, short episode on your three other valvular diseases just to complement our aortic stenosis episode i hope you enjoyed i hope you find this helpful thank you again for supporting me on patreon i really 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 appreciate it so um i will see you again shortly or i won't see you i will speak to you <laughs> again shortly i hope everyone has a fabulous day um, take care all the best ta-ta oh, well,